Happy Sabbath, brethren. It's great to be here with you all again to study the Word of God together. And the title of this message is The Lord is My Light. And this is based on the first few words of Psalm 27. Let's go there. Let's go to Psalm 27 in verse 1, where David wrote these things about God himself. Where he said in Psalm 27 and verse 1, he said, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? He knew who God was. He knew that the Lord was his light to guide him. And there is something very important that we have to keep in mind that the word of God is the truth. And whatever God has said and has written in his word is the absolute truth. And today we're going to study a little bit more about light and the characteristics of light. Because that is going to tell us more about the God we serve. And and we are going to see something that is very important about God and our relationship with God. Because the more we know him, the more that we can understand him and love him and serve him better. Let's go to 1 John 1, 1 John 1 and verse 5. Well, the Apostle John wrote something that is very, very important concerning light. David knew this, and he wrote that in the Psalm, in Psalm 27, 1. But the Apostle John, in, in John, 1 John 1 and verse 5, he wrote, and this is the message that we have heard from him. He's talking about Jesus Christ because the, the very beginning of this, this epistle, he is talking about what they saw, what they witnessed from Jesus Christ when they were walking with him, when they were being taught by him. And then he gets to the point. This is the message that we have heard from him and are declaring to you that God is light and there is no darkness at all in him. Because that's exactly what God is. God is light, and there is no darkness in Him. God the Father is light, and Jesus Christ Himself is light. And we're going to see that today. We're going to go to the Scriptures to talk about this. But before we go there, I would like to start by reading the definition of light according to the Encyclopedia Britannica. And we know that this is not what we draw the truth from, but it does help for us to understand certain concepts, because even, even Paul he says that even from the things that are made, we understand we understand about God and we understand about his majesty and his power. And light, as defined in Encyclopedia Britannica, it says that it's electromagnetic radiation that can be detected by the human eye. Electromagnetic radiation occurs over an extremely wide range of wavelengths, from gamma rays with wavelengths less than about 1 times 10 to the minus 11 power of a meter, to radio waves measured in meters. The Encyclopedia Britannica continues and says, within that broad spectrum, the wavelengths visible to humans occupy a very narrow band from about 700 nanometers, and a nanometer is, you know, billions of a meter, for red light down to about 400 nanometers for violet light. The spectral regions adjacent to the visible band are often referred to as light also, infrared at the one end and ultraviolet at the other. These are the two, the two ends, the, the, the two um, ends adjacent to the visible band. But the wavelength of light is so broad 
And, and it's amazing that you have these things, infrared and, and ultraviolet. In infrared light, you can see at night, right, and ultraviolet on the other. And, and we're going to see what, is, what that's used for. But the speed of light, this is another fact about light. The speed of light in a vacuum is a fundamental physical constant. The currently accepted value of that is approximately 186,000 miles per second. Super fast. And we know that through these things, we can see some characteristics that what we can see with the human eye is very small. It's very limited in comparison to the whole spectrum of light. And there's different kinds of, uh, of light in that spectrum, at least as defined by the scientists, like what we talked about, infrared, ultraviolet. And we're going to talk about characteristics of light to learn more about God and about our relationship with God. Because God is light. And the first characteristic that we're going to talk about here is that light is purity. The light is purity. The pure light and the strong light, it's, it's pure. Because we know that light has been used and can be used and is used sometimes to, to purify air and to purify water. For example, there are filters to purify air. Because when when there's there's air and ultraviolet light is is used uh, on on air, it can kill mold and bacteria and contaminants, and they can be either uh, killed or rem rendered harmless. Also, the purification of water through using ultraviolet light, UV light, that also exists. There there's devices that have these chambers when you put water and then you treat it with ultraviolet light. And that light, after the water flows through that, the same thing, it targets microorganisms that are present, like bacteria and viruses, you know, protozoa, etc. And it can be they can be killed or rendered harmless. So so the water that can be purified by the light. Light can purify air and water. Some of the hardest things to do. And what is there? There's some things that the the Bible tells us about the the purity of God, because God is light and God is pure. And as we read in First John one five, it says there is no darkness at all in Him. He is light. He is the absolute purity of light. Let's go to Psalm Psalm five, because in Psalm five it says something that is very very important for us to keep in mind when we think about God and when we think about our relationship with God. And this was also David. This was also uh, another Psalm of David. And in verse 4 of Psalm 5, he declares, For you, speaking to God, for you are not a God that has pleasure in wickedness, nor evil shall dwell with you. God is purity as well. No evil shall dwell with God because God is purity. God is light and God is purity. And as we saw, that light can purify even water and air. But that is in the physical sense. In the spiritual sense, God is the ultimate purity of everything. He's a marvelous light. Let's go to Revelation 21. Because in Revelation 21, it talks about the new heavens and the new earth. And then it talks about the holy city, the new Jerusalem. And in this chapter, it describes a lot of the characteristics of the, 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 the New Jerusalem. And it's, and it's something beautiful, something amazing. When it talks about the gates and the foundations, you know, the, the, all of these things. But let's drop down to verse 22. 
because it tells us something very important about the illumination of the new Jerusalem. In verse 22, it says, And I saw no temple in it, in the new Jerusalem, for the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are the temple of it. Verse 23, And the city has no need of the sun or of the moon, that they should shine in it, because the glory of God enlightens it, and the light of it is the Lamb. And that doesn't mean that the sun and the moon won't be there. It doesn't say that categorically. It says that there has no need of the sun or the moon, that they should shine in it. But this also tells us about the, the, the brightness of God, of God the Father and the Lamb, Jesus Christ. And it says they are, they are the temple of it and the light, the glory of God enlightens it. It's the glory of God that shines through and the light of it is the Lamb. It's something beautiful. And then it says, And the nations that are safe shall walk in its light, in the light of God the Father and the light of the Lamb. And the kings of the earth shall bring their glory and honor into it. And its gates shall never be shut by day, for there shall be no night there, because God's glory will always be shining there. And the light of the Lamb. And it says, and they shall bring the glory and the honor of the nations into it. And nothing that defiles, nothing that defiles shall ever enter into it. Nor shall anyone who practices an abomination or devises a lie. But only those who are written in the Lamb's book of life. And this testifies to the power of his of of his brightness, of his glory, of that light, and also to the purity of it, to the purity of it, to the power of it. And it's something amazing to, to think about that new Jerusalem and to think about that purity that is that light. Let's go to Psalm, Psalm 89. Psalm 89, to see something else about the purity of light. Because all of these things, brethren, are for us to, to comprehend in more depth the God that we serve, to know Him better, and to comprehend the relationship that we have and who He is, who they are, God the Father and Jesus Christ, because they're both light. That glory we just saw, that that's the glory that enlightens New Jerusalem is the, and the light of the Lamb. Psalm 89, in verse 14, it says, righteousness and justice are the foundation of your throne, speaking of God. Mercy and truth shall go before your face. Blessed are the people who know the joyful sound. They shall walk, O Lord, in the light of your countenance. That means in the light of his face. And we know this. We know that God's face shines as the sun. We know that. We're going to read a couple of scriptures about that. But the second, the second aspect of light that I would like for us to meditate on is that light is not only purity, as we saw, but that is also power. Light is power. And right now, also, again, through science, we can see this. We can see the power that light has. For example, the U.S. Government Accountability Office has, you know, uh, declared that directed energy weapons 
DEW, these are the, the latest technology weapons, and the, those use concentrated electromagnetic energy to combat enemy forces and assets. And these weapons include high-energy lasers and other powerful electromagnetics, like millimeter wave and like high-power micro, microwave weapons, because light is power. And they, and they have figured out how to use these lasers, and they actually deploy them also through satellites. And they can direct it to different places and cause great damage and, and, and be very strategic with high levels of precision. But these are very powerful weapons, the director energy weapons. And this, we know that God is light and God is all powerful because he is light. And this is just, this is just part of it, how humans have, have been able to find the power and, and use it for their own, for their own purposes. But we know that God is power. In Exodus 33 is the account where, where Moses asked God if he could see his glory. In verse, in verse 13, let's go to Exodus 33 and verse 13. This is where Moses is, is, telling, is talking with God. And he says, Now therefore I pray you, if I have found grace in your sight, make me, now to, now, make me see now your way that I may know you that I might find grace in your sight and consider that this nation is your people. And he said in verse 14, my presence shall go with you and I will give you rest. So basically Moses found grace in the eyes of God. And then later in verse 18, Moses tells God, I beseech you, show me your glory. Show me your glory. Because he had found grace in his sight. In verse 19, God responded to Moses and he said, I will make all my goodness pass before you. And I will proclaim the name of the Lord before you. And I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious. And I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy. He was basically declaring God the Father also. Because he said, I will proclaim, I will proclaim the name of the Lord before you. And then God also told him, you cannot see my face, for no man can see my face and live. That's how powerful God is. And as we read in that psalm, that we are to walk in the light of his countenance. That's how powerful he is. We, no man can see God's face in all his glory and live. And then what, what, what God tells Moses is amazing. He tells him, he says, and the Lord said, behold, there is a place by me and you shall stand upon a rock which is interesting because that's what he tells us to build our house upon the rock. He says, you shall stand upon the rock and it will be, while my glory passes by, I will put you in a cleft of the rock and I will cover you with my hand while I pass by. And while I, and I, I will take away my hand and you shall see my back parts, but my face shall not be seen. But why? It's too glorious. It's too shiny. It's too powerful. He would have died right then and there. Let's go to Matthew 17, because these, this is the account of the transfiguration. I know we're all familiar with it, but it's so amazing to, to, to read it again and, and see what happened. Because this, this reflects the, the power of God, and Jesus did it. And, 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 and we're going to reflect in the, in the parallels of what happened in the account with Moses that we just read, and what happens here. After six days, verse 1, Matthew 17, after six days... Jesus took with him Peter and James and his brother John and brought them up into a high mountain by themselves. And he was transfigured before them, and his face shined as the sun, and his garments became white as the light. 
Just think about that, brethren. Just think about how his face shined as the sun, and his garments became white as the light. And then, and, and then he says in verse 3, Then behold, there appeared to them Moses and Elijah talking with him. And Peter answered and said to Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here. If you desire, let us make three tabernacles here. One for you, and one for Moses, and one for Elijah. While he was uh, speaking, a bright cloud, again, is the brightness of, of God. A bright cloud suddenly overshadowed them. And behold, a voice out of the cloud said, This is my son, the beloved, in whom I delight. Listen to him. And when the disciples heard it, they fell on their faces in extreme terror. But Jesus came, verse 7, but Jesus came and touched them and said, Arise, and do not be terrified. Because that's the God we serve. A God who loves us, who wants us to be with him, to have a relationship with him. And just as he did with Moses, he said, I'm going to put you in the rock. I'm going to put you in this place. I'm going to cover you with my hand. I'm going to protect you from dying because I'm just too powerful for you to see my face. But when I pass, you can see my back parts. Because if you're asking this, you want to see that that's fine. You have found grace before my eyes. And here, the same thing happens when, when Jesus goes and, you know, and they touch them. And he says, arise, do not be terrified. Because they, they thought that they were going to die or something with this brightness and this voice. Like the power of God. The light is power. And it is amazing. You can read in Exodus 19 and 20 also. We're not going to go there for sake of time right now. But in, in Exodus 19, it, it, talks about, it talks about the same things. It talks about when they were preparing for, for uh, God to come to the mountain. And he comes down to the mountain. But he says, don't, don't let the people go up. Don't let the people come and see. Because if they come and they see, they're going to die. They're going to die. And that's what, that's what God told them. And it was the glory of God and the thunder and the power of that. And the lightning, that is light. And, and, and light is power. And that's what happened. But for us to understand that, that this God that is so powerful that if we even look in his face, we would die from that radiance, from that power that emanates from, from both of them. But that, to think that he loves us, and he has compassion upon us. And he wants for us to be their children born in their family. That is amazing. That is amazing. Let's, let's talk about another characteristic of life. Light. Light is beauty. Light is also beauty. It's not only purity. And it's not only power. But it's also beauty. For example, a rainbow, a sunset. A pulse of heat lightning in the dark sky. Nobody, no artist can ever paint this, a sunset like God paints them. He, no, nobody can paint a storm or a lightning. Nobody can do those things. Sometimes you can see the most beautiful sunset and you take a picture and it doesn't do it justice. It, it, it really doesn't, it doesn't capture what your eyes can capture of the beauty of what God made. Because light is beauty and God is beauty. He is full of glory. Let's go to Exodus 24 and verse 7. This is when they're ratifying the covenant after the Ten Commandments were given. 
and then the, the people of Israel agreed to enter into covenant with God based upon these laws, the Ten Commandments, and all the statutes. And they said, we're going to do it. Verse 7, and he took, this is Moses, and he took the, the, the book of the covenant and read it in the ears of the people. And they said, all that the Lord has said, we will do and be obedient. And Moses took the blood and sprinkled it on the people and said, Behold, the blood of the covenant, which the Lord has made with you concerning all these words. And Moses went up, and Aaron, Nadab, and Abihu, and seventy of the elders of Israel. And they saw the God of Israel. And there was under his feet, as it were, a paved work of a sapphire stone. And as it were, the heavens in clearness. And upon the nobles of the children of Israel, he did not lay his hands. Also they saw God, and ate, and drank. But I just want to point out the beauty the beauty under his feet, a paved work of sapphire stone, and the heavens in clearness. It's something beautiful, what, what, what God does, and, and what God is, because he is light. And we're going to read a couple of other things. Let's go to Ezekiel, Ezekiel 1. And again, this is, this is such a bad subject about, about light, but just, just to study a couple of characteristics about light, to remember to know and remember the God that we serve, that He is power, that He is purity, that He is beauty, that there's no one like Him. Verse 4, Ezekiel 1 and verse 4, And I looked, and behold, a windstorm came out of the north, and a great cloud with a fire flashing forth continually, and a brightness all around coming out of its mist, like the color of sparkling amber out of the midst of the fire. And then we drop down to verse 22 here in Ezekiel 1. And it's talking about what was above those those living creatures that were coming down. It says, and there was a likeness over the heads of the living creatures, an expanse like the color of awesome crystal stretched out over their heads from above. And then in verse 26, it says, and from above the expanse that was over their heads was the likeness of a throne like sapphire stone. And on the likeness of the throne was a likeness as the appearance of a man above upon it. And I saw him appearing, verse 27, as the color of polished bronze, looking like fire within it all around, from the likeness of his loins even upward, and from the likeness of his loins down, downward, I saw him looking like fire, and there was brightness all around him. Because that's the God that we serve. He is light. He is resplendent with majesty, with light, with beauty. Let's go to Revelation 4 when it talks about the throne of God. Revelation 4 is something something amazing, something beautiful. When we meditate the, on, on the fact that God is light and we can see what light is and we can see what light does, it purifies, it cleanses, it shines the way, it shows us, it, it, it illuminates everything. It's, it's, it's amazing when we think of all of these things together. Revelation 4, verse 1. And after these things I looked, and behold, a door opened in heaven. And the first voice that I heard as if a trumpet was speaking with me, saying, Come up here, and I will show you the things that must take place after these things. And immediately I was in the Spirit, and behold, a throne was set in heaven, and one was sitting on the throne. And he who was sitting was in appearance like a jasper stone and a sardius stone. And a rainbow was around the throne, like an emerald in its appearance. That's how beautiful it was. 
And then it says, and around the throne were 24 thrones, and on the throne so 24 elders sitting clothed in white garments, and they had on their heads, their heads golden crowns. And proceeding from the throne were lightnings and thunders and voices. There's light again. The lightnings and thunders and voices and power. And seven lamps of fire, which is also light, by the way, which are the seven spirits of God, were burning before the throne. And before the throne was a sea of glass like crystal. And around the throne and over the throne were four living creatures full of eyes before and behind. But just the sea of glass like crystal and the rainbow. The reason that there's a rainbow is because there's this, this crystal, this sea of glass that reflects and magnifies the light of God. Because the pure light, the, the, the complete light that God is and his glory and his radiance it shines through that sea of glass and it's all these colors. God himself is light and we are to follow the light. In John 8, John 8 and verse 12, Jesus himself said, he spoke, he spoke to them again saying, I am the light of the world. The one who follows me shall never walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life because he is the light of the world. He is the light of life. He shows us where are we to go and what are we to do. And he, he does this in a wonderful way. He enlightens the eyes of our mind so that we may see the truth, so that we may walk in the ways of God. And in, in, in Psalm 36, David, who understood this, he said in Psalm 36 and verse 9, he was talking about God. He said, for with you is the fountain of life. In your light, we shall see light. Why? Because God is light. And we are. We are to follow the light. We are to follow God wherever he tells us to go. That's what he says about the 144,000, right? In Revelation 14. They follow the Lamb wherever he goes. Psalm 104. In Psalm 104, it talks again about light. It talks about God. He says, Bless the Lord, O my soul. O Lord, my God, you are very great. You are clothed with honor and majesty, covering yourself with light as with a garment and stretching out the heavens like a curtain. He himself is full of light. And we are to follow. We are to follow the light. There's so many scriptures, you know, there's not enough time to talk about all the scriptures that talk about the light. And then there's a whole spiritual meaning about all these things. But I just wanted for us to meditate even in the aspects that we can learn from what we see that light is in the characteristics of life, of that purity, of that glory, of that beauty, of that power. So that we are conscious of the God we serve and that we become, you know, we have more of that fear of God. We become in awe of who he is and serve him with a pure heart and ask him to purify us with his light. In John 1, the Gospel of John at the beginning, and we know this chapter was probably written after when the Apostle John was canonizing the New Testament, but that's what he says. It talks about the light. It talks about Jesus Christ. And he says in him, talking about the word, the word of God, in him was life and the life was the light of man. And the light shines in the darkness, but the darkness does not comprehend it. And just right now, still scientists are not able to comprehend the light, and there's still debate as to what it is. 
Is it a wavelength? Is it a is it an element? Is it a particle? What is it? What is light? The lightness, even in the in the physical sense, we do not comprehend it, much less in the spiritual sense. But we have been called out of darkness into his marvelous light. We have been called to this wonderful way of light of life by a God who loves us, who loves us so much that with all his glory and all his power and all his beauty, he wants us to be part of his kingdom. And he has called us. And he and, and, and he shines this light. And he wants for us to understand that. And these are the things, these are the things that that David saw. The Apostle John understood it. David understood it. Let's go back to Psalm 27 where, where we began as we, as we wrap up and conclude. Again, there's so much more, so much more that we can talk about light. This is just the very, very beginning in a very a basic manner, very basic foundational physical manifestation of like what God has done and how he shows us a little bit of who he is. But as David said in, in this psalm, he said, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Because if that's the God that we serve, that's the God that we serve, full of majesty and glory and power and honor. Of whom shall we be afraid? He's the strength of our life. In verse 4, uh, reading on in this same Psalm 27, he says, One thing I have desired from the Lord, that I, that I will seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple, because he knew there is nothing like being in the presence of God all the time. There is nothing like that. And he knows about his power and he knows about his glory and he desires that. And we should also desire the same thing. We should also desire God dwelling in us and us loving him back with all our heart, soul, mind and being in strength and walking in the light of his countenance because the Lord is our light.